to the Mom Empowerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they're experiencing their most challenging behaviors. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Empowerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. I'm so excited to share with you part two of Dr. Borba's presentation to my staff and the faculty and two of our elementary schools in my district. Dr. Borba's work has helped parents and teachers learn effective strategies to help their kids thrive. And I'm so excited to be able to share this with you today. This is part two. Enjoy. How do you stay connected? How do you let kids know you care? Those are the keys. I don't care how glorious your lessons are unless you can reach that child first, particularly those kids who are struggling and let them know you're not giving up on them. Emmy Warner said the single greatest commonality of a child who endures such a trauma of this is you who refuses to give up on the child. Write down one idea, let's keep going because there's lots of other ideas. Obviously one minute conferences, I'm gonna go through these quickly. Suppose you narrow in on who are the kids you worried about most. Maybe it was because of the Google Doc, or maybe it was little conferences every once in a while with other teachers who share your kids or other grade levels meetings of always a five minute, just let's connect with one another. Who do you see that you're worried about? And then maybe it's a one minute, once a day, 10 minutes, 10 times a day, or 10 times a week or 10 times a month, just to connect. The connection, by the way, sometimes is nothing more than 30 seconds, but it's for the same kids. Emmy Warner said those are critical for some of those children. Don't overlook those kids. Take a moment right now and write down who's your kid you're worried about. Who's the kid you're losing a little sleep over? Some of you are gonna run out of room in your brain because you're so worried about so many kids. Who do you not know enough about to make that judgment? Those are the ones we got to figure it out because we know that we have this, this moment now before stress and anxiety start to build. When anxiety continues, anxiety goes into depression. And that's what the CDC says from very young kids right now who are really suffering. So your four W's and your one H as a staff, you can do this later sometime as a staff. But my piece to you is when I was dealing with Indiana, and it was a big, big session. This is why the picture here, but I'll show you. Each of, these each of us had a few of these little plastic figures in front of us. The principal had bought dozens of them. And this was at a faculty meeting. He said, grab one in the middle and put it there. And as we're doing this session today, I want you to name one child who you think is struggling. Hold on to that kid or keep that kid in front of you, or you can put it down on an index card. And as I was Dr. Borba, as Dr. Borba, Michelle, is doing this session today, I want you to keep applying the sesh, that idea to that one kid, how you can adapt it to that one child, who concerns you, what are you going to offer that child, who can help work with you, custodian, the cafeteria worker, the secretary, the teacher next door. How are you going to help? How are you going to let that child know I'm not giving up on you? And when are you going to reach them? Particularly during Zoom times. Is there a one minute a day you can reach that child? The first step is let's figure out how to help that child. 
There's dozens of ideas. You know that once we get to that, we can always in our classrooms ask, how would you feel if that happened to you? What would you need in order to feel better? Those are all parts of Unselfie and it's the great question. You can also do that when you're reading those powerful books. We do know that literary fiction is highly correlated to resilient children. Do you know that resilient kids have hobbies? They have something to backlog on. So during the heat of the moment, they have either a book or maybe they knit or maybe they like music or maybe they do woodwork. Some of those hobbies aren't part of our kids' lives because they were so scheduled. Maybe this is the perfect primetime moment to make sure books are part of their lives. Books that help ignite their empathy and their heart. These are just a few of them. The teens say, and little guys say, are the ones that really impact them the most. We know that literary fiction, books that help us step into the shoes of another character are the ones that actually, right here is where compassion is in your head, stretch that part of your brain. Not necessarily chapter books, but literary fiction. It's why Wonder is the best-selling book across the country right now for kids, because it's literary fiction. When I ask middle school kids, what's the number one book that you hope that your teachers always, always assign kids? The book was written 50 years ago. The Outsiders continues to come up. And I ask them, why? What's so special about The Outsiders? Inclusion. It makes us realize how we need to include other kids and how bad it feels when you leave kids out. The Hundred Dresses. Oh my gosh, The Hundred Dresses by Eleanor S. is incredible. About the little girl named Wanda, the Polish immigrant who has made fun of all the rest of the kids. All the rest of them asked her always, what are you gonna wear tomorrow, Wanda? Knowing this poor child had really only that fame faded blue dress day in and day out. And she said, well, you know, I have a hundred other dresses in my home, in my closet. Mine is so tattered and torn, but I use it with every second, third and fourth grade kids. They looked at her and said, uh, really, Wanda? They started to make fun of her and make fun of her and make fun of her because they knew that she didn't have only one dress. There's a letter from the father on why they finally moved that just hit you so hard. And then when those girls, the ringleaders walked into the classroom that day after Wanda had left and the bullying had intensified. They noticed something about a powerful teacher. The teacher realized Wanda's pain. And what she did is she realized that Wanda had artistic ability, self-confidence. What was on the wall? 100 of Wanda's hand-run, most beautifully drawn dresses you could possibly imagine. Now the girls realized this kid was gifted, unbelievable, and guilt set in. Oh, I love it when kids feel guilty. Guilt activates empathy, shame reduces it. Was that helpful or hurtful, said Mrs. Fredrickson. That's what we're looking for. Find some powerful books. I wanna mention one other thing that I think is powerful too. When I ask kids, those focus groups, what's the one book every kid should listen to right now? Go ahead, write in your chat room, what's the one book we should be reading to kids over and over again? These were high school sophomores. Alexander and the Terrible Hobrel, No Good, Very Bad Day. Gifted classroom. I asked the teacher, you're kidding. She said, no, I'm not reading Alexander and the Terrible Hobrel, No Good, Very Bad Day at the beginning of every class. I said, why? She said, because every kid said, that's what we need. We need to know we can get through it, just like Alexander. Kids need empathy.
They need you in their life and they need you to not give up on them. One other little thing about all of this, and I, I want to mention this because I think it's powerful. One of the best ways to boost empathy in kids is to have them give back and do for another. When they realize somebody else is struggling, they realize, gosh, I'm not alone. These are what your upper grade kids are doing. And you've got some of these kids who are already in your school and now they're in middle school or high school. They're called a teen core and I think they're an untapped resource. Here's what this group of kids are doing. They're helping you Zoom every day. You partner with the middle school or the high school. You ask some kids who've got that heart or the kids who are struggling. Can you once a day just Zoom in and maybe do a lesson or listen to some of my kids read out loud? It's going to help you and partner with that other teacher. What they're also doing is pairing. So the kids who are coming down as Teen Core members actually graduated from your elementary school way back when. And some of those kids also had you as a teacher way back when. What they're discovering is it's one of the best ways to reduce the stress of the big kid and help the parents who are over the top right now with their stress level. Parent stress is higher than our kids' stress. CDC is extremely worried. Now they're trying to do those Zooms at home and help their kids do it all. Maybe the untapped resource is them. Let's keep going because the first one is empathy. The second one is self-control. I'm gonna keep going with it. I chose three of the traits, but I wanna stop a minute and ask you to just think, is there one idea that you can just adapt it, weave it through, or go, we're doing that, or we forgot to do that. We used to do that three years ago. Maybe put it in the chat room. Maybe work together. Is it the note to the parent? I care about you. How are you doing? Let me know one thing about your child. Uh, there's a kindergarten teacher that's doing Facebook Live read-alouds each night with the kids. It's nothing more than a five-minute read, and the parents are just basket cases with the tears going, she really cares. My kids can't wait to listen to her read out loud. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Emmy Warner would say. So you are there, and make sure that kid realizes you're not giving up on them. Make it simple. Mrs. Fredrickson would say, real simple and just make it a routine and a ritual. I chose self-control as number two on the seven tri-restraints because self-control is what helps kids think straight and put on the brakes before those impulses set up. Without a coping strategy, our children are doomed. And it's one of the reasons their stress is mounting. Now we do know, says all the work on resilience, that these are called protective buffers or they're kind of like an armor that they help not stop the stress, but they help the stress from mounting to the point where it's insurmountable and it goes to anxiety or depression. And what we're discovering is that many of our children don't know how to put the brakes on. So here's some ideas. These are ideas that you can take any one idea because the best way to do self-control is take one idea only and keep doing the same idea a minute a day for at least 21 days, or as long as it takes until the kid can adapt it without you. First, three Ps, every question. So I know that this kid is suffering from low self-control, or I know he's struggling in the classroom. How do I know which kids are going to tank? Which kids are really going to be impacted? 
I call them three P's. So here's the ones that you as a staff better get around and go, that's a kid we've got to reach out and connect with. The first thing is the closer the proximity the child is to a crisis. For instance, he was at 9-11 and he watched the planes go into the attack. He was by his grandma's bed when grandma passed away. The closer the proximity to the crisis, the more it amplifies. It doesn't mean he's going to tank, but that's one. Watch out for those kids who are really struggling. Right now, also watch out for the financially unstable parent thing right now. We've got parents who really, really are are hurting, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses, that's impacting kids because stress mirrors down to the child. Second, he doesn't have protective issue buffers. He doesn't know how to reduce stress. He doesn't have that hobby. He doesn't have that protective person like you. The third one is interesting and you can instantly write this kid's name down in an index card. Last year, you saw him struggle. Last year, you knew he was stressed. Last year, you knew he was going to the counselor. A crisis only amplifies pre-existing problems. Those are the kids I want you to start talking about. Those are the kids I'd say, hold in your hand and keep thinking every day. What's the one thing I'm going to do to help that child today? Now, let's figure out some other ideas. First thing, first thing, maybe it's one huge chart per child, or maybe it's, it could be a worksheet. But it also could be what one teacher did is trace the kid on the butcher paper. And what you then do over the next few weeks is have the child, each kid and you identify their own unique physical stress signs or emotional stress signs. How do you know you're starting to get stressed? You know, it doesn't dumb like that. You can feel it. You've got just triggers or you've got signs and your body gives you warning signs. If you can feel those signs and know those signs before the meltdown or before the irritability or before you can't focus anymore, that's when you can apply the stuff I'm going to be teaching you. So what I'm saying is that every kid is different. There's no cookie cutter approach, but some kids it's reoccurring. My head hurts. You can watch them. They'll start to go like this. You can see some kids tuning out. You can see the stress level is too much and most of the kids are, but you can see that focusing abilities are going down. Some children, you can see them start to go like this with their hands or their little feet start to go back and forth or they start to shake a little more or they get a little more irritable. If you're doing in-class learning, some of them end up right next to you. They end up being clingier or they're acting out or they're a little more moody. You can hear the voice start to go up a little bit or they're just a little bit more of a kid who's always, that's it, you're going to time out. If we could only catch the stress before the meltdown, that's a godsend. Now, let me go one step more because there's 50,000 ways to do this. But chapter three in Thrivers is all of these ideas, choose one. But what one brilliant teacher did is she, when she figured out, each kid figured out their stress signs, she rolled up the post-it, she rolled up the butcher paper, whatever it's on. Little Some kids had it as this big. Some kids had it this big. She rolled it up and had each parent now look at it. Here's your kid's stress sign. Whoa, was that powerful. Number two, 
feeling check-ins. We've got to give kids permission to share how they feel. If they can verbalize, I'm irritable, or verbalize, I'm this right now, or verbalize, in some cases, if you're doing Zoom, it could be a poker chip. Share me how you're feeling. It could be also um, a colored pen to hold up, or it could be a number on a scale of zero to seven. How are you feeling today? Don't do them all. But what's your feeling check-in? In my special ed classroom, way back when, most if I ever did something, I'd say, wow, that was really smart, Michelle. Why didn't you do that sooner? I made a, a, an old cardboard thermometer and I just put a series of feelings there and I put clothes pins for each kid and me to put our, our names. We could clip on how we felt along that thermometer. Every day we do a feeling check-in. I didn't say anything about it, but I'd look and boy, was that my unbelievable watch out for Johnny. He's not at the good level right now. But one day I walked into class a little bit late from running off the worksheets. And all of a sudden I saw all the kids plowed around one kid. Actually, my not so compassionate kids were trying to look like they were comforting. And I said, what's going on? He said, oh, Albert's having a really bad day, Mrs. Borba. We got to help him. And it was all because of a darn old feeling thermometer that by fluke I put up. Give kids permission to feel, figure out how they're feeling and let them know. The second thing is find one strategy, one strategy teacher. I mentioned this one because I think it is probably the most used strategy now because one school, Visitation Middle School in Oakland, California did it and it transformed the entire school and their business and their, excuse me, their behavior problems. It's a counselor who realized that these kids were really struggling and the reason that they were not focusing, the reason that they were late getting there, the reason that they weren't attending was because their stress was building. So what she did, simple. She walked into every classroom and asked the principal if she could do a five minute lesson. When she walked into every classroom, she showed kids how to do slow, deep breathing from your tummy. Hold it. So relax from just that one. Now slowly let it out. It's called a one-two breath. If you take an inhale, you hold it, and then you exhale, and your exhale is twice as long as your inhale, it's the fastest way to relax. If you do that maybe three minutes a day or two minutes at the beginning of each Zoom, it'll help unbelievable. What they discovered is that suspensions went down, behavior problems went down, but test scores went way up. Teachers said, we're not doing anything different. What the heck's going on? We're just teaching that three minutes a day of quiet time. What the counselor also did is have one kid video it. She then had that flash drive sent home to every parent, or she had the principal put it on the school website. Here's what the lesson looked like. She had the teacher who didn't maybe know how to do that one, two breathing the right way, put it on a PowerPoint drive. As a result, it made a difference. You can do the same thing with little kids. One, two breath, hands on tummy, inhale, exhale. What they're doing in that classroom is slow, deep breathing using, bean, using froggies and turtles. So they give them a ride up and down, up and down. This was prior to the pandemic, obviously, but I'm telling you within three minutes, half the class was asleep because they were doing slow rides. Don't, 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 don't go down so fast. It scares turtle, he likes slow rides. Develop a positive mantra in a classroom could be wonderful too. I learned this from Navy SEALs, and it could be, we can handle this. We can get through it. We'll make it happen. It'll be okay. Please, teachers, I'm not kidding you. This is powerful. 
It counters the negativity. It's what they're now doing at University of Pennsylvania. Navy SEALs are doing the same thing. Maybe what you could do this week is have kids brainstorm. What are some kind of things we can say inside our head when it really gets tough? And then at the beginning of each Zoom, have kids keep adding to the list until pretty soon you vote. You can have your own personal mantra. I'm going to do, it'll be okay. But our class one, because the rest of the kids voted on, is we're going to find a way. And then at the beginning of each class, you start it. And it would be Mrs. Fredrickson. Let's keep saying the same thing until each kid finally develops it. These are just ideas that you can do of sending it home so parents become in a partnership. There's lots of possibilities. Take a moment, please, and write down one idea because we've got one more. It's optimism, and I want to move ahead with it. But I want you to please go, what's the one thing we can do to stay on board together? The one thing when I say together, your staff can be on board together. Is there one little strategy? The quiet time, you may want to consider it because what they did at that school is they shaved off 30 seconds of each class, a little bit more off of maybe a minute off of lunch, and they carved in five minutes a day of quiet time. As a result, that's how they got the change. Last one is optimism. We continue to keep looking at the disturbing images. What we develop is pessimism. Thrivers find the silver lining. It doesn't mean they're Pollyannas. It doesn't mean they're Little Miss Sunshines, but they find a way to counter the negativity because if the negativity continues, it absolutely derails your children's reservoir for resilience. What happens is the pessimism begins to be pervasive and permanent and they don't see a way out. And so they begin to feel helpless. Here's ideas and I'm just gonna shh just throw you one. These are all based on science. Every idea I'm doing in Thrivers, the book is let's do science back stuff that we know works. And the first thing is good news. This is based on science. This is Jonathan Haidt. And what he's found is that if you keep looking at those dismal news of how many deaths there are today, after a while, it derails us all. I would always suggest to parents, turn off the dismal news but instead find good stuff about real kids. What many teachers are doing are a daily good news report. Some teachers are actually pasting them onto index cards. They are getting other kids to do a Google alert for good news Google, paste it on the index card. And then maybe you can start the Zoom for upper grade kids. This is true. This is a 10 year old and a 15 year old sister. They're Philadelphia. They got so tired of the bad enough stuff that was coming up each day on the news that they finally said enough is enough. This is making us feel bad. So they took their phone, went downstairs into their basement and started doing a one minute video about good stuff that other kids are doing around the neighborhood. And they sent it off to some of their friends. Some of their friends showed it to their parents and the parents said, would you tell those girls to keep doing those good news videos? The good news videos are going viral because kids and parents want them. The coolest thing I saw a superintendent do in Long Island. The high school kids said, we are so tired of the bad stuff that's hitting the news. Think about it watching live murders in front of you, watching horrific capital insurgencies, watching the police get absolutely slammed against barriers. It's so horrific. So 
Here's what they're doing. They said, can't you just buy a great big, huge plasma screen and put it in the middle of the quad? Why, said the superintendent? Because then you could, when we walk into school, it could be loaded with good stuff that's happening in the world. I happened to walk into that school prior to the pandemic and all the kids were loaded around this huge plasma screen and it was showing good stuff. Most of that good stuff was happening from the kids were reporting it. You start the report. Here's another one. Elevating images have a contagion effect. If you're a music teacher, this is a gold mine. True stories, but each one of these alone can be a story that you do in your classroom. The true story is about the two kids who are so worried about the inbound neighbor in Ohio down the street. Mom, can we just go and do a cello concert? Because they love to play cello. We'll just be on a report. We're on our porch, mom, and we really will do social distancing. So they brought their cellos. They started to play. Mom took a video of it. She posted on Facebook Live. It helped the inbound neighbor, but it helped the world because the Facebook went viral. Now kids from three states over said, I can do that with my ukulele. Other kids over, can I can do it with my trumpet. Kids across the country are now doing neighborhood elevating music concerts just to make people happy, but it also makes them feel happy. Anytime you can help your kids learn problem solving and brainstorming, I want you to just please take a look later on at the sheet you'll get on the skills for each of these thriver strengths because you're doing so many of these. That problem solving, that critical thinking, once kids feel like they have a sense of agency or of control over their life, it actually boosts their optimism. So Maybe you can put a great big, huge chart up there, have kids brainstorm. If you have a problem, what can I do to solve it until they can finally solve it on their own? It boosts optimism. For older kids, this is never going to go away. We're all going to die. Then you put the trauma in perspective and you can do it actually, fourth, fifth grade teachers with history. Have them study the World War I and the Spanish pandemic or AIDS or polio or Ebola and say, Everybody had a problem. It was a crisis, but they got through it because there was an end in sight. Kids need to see the end in sight. That's what we're looking for. I did mention the student tutors, but I, I really, I'm telling you, I'm passionate about this because I've interviewed so many kids who are now doing it, these girls, who said, you won't believe what a difference it makes. We're going back to our old elementary schools. We're helping them, but it's helping us. It's giving us a sense that we can do something and make a difference. We've got myths of resilience, don't we? That sometimes too many people think it's another program, that it's part of my DNA, or it's that kid's temperament, or it's fixed. What we do know about resilience is that it's ongoing, it's teachable, and it creates amazing difference on a child's life. There is dozens of skills that make up resilience. The seven traits are ones that matter most. The book is Thrivers, the seven reasons, the seven traits that are really going to make a difference on helping kids be a peak performer, but also build their reservoir for resilience. I think of all of those, my takeaway for you right now, because I also want to save some time for any of you who have questions, is back to empathy and not teaching it to the child. But back to empathy on how you're going to reach the child. How are you going to let them know that I'm here for you? And I know you're going through a tough time, but I'll never give up on you. It doesn't have to be 150 kids. 
that maybe it's that one child that's causing you a little bit of stress each night, you worry. The good news is Emmy Warner said, you can make a difference because if you don't give up, you have perseverance in a different way. It's your perseverance and your empathy together that makes the difference. There's one final thing I wanna point out about these strengths that I never recognized because every teacher was saying, so which one should I start with and which one is the most important? And I finally realized something. Start anywhere you want, but don't see it as one strength for resilience. See it as a combination. When I began to look at this, I realized that any strength is far more powerful when combined with another. So empathy plus curiosity multiplies it. And I call it a multiplier effect. It's just going to create a stronger amplified multiplied superpower. Integrity plus empathy creates a change maker. You put self-control plus optimism plus empathy together, that kid's unstoppable. This is, I think, the new reset model. There's a lot of ways that we can get parents involved in the process. I've sent an educator discussion guide for you if you'd like to get on board and have some book studies on it. Don't overwhelm yourself with it. Just realize this is an unprecedented time when we need to really think outside the box. We need a science-backed framework, but we need to see this as a process, not a program, and realize you do make an extraordinary difference on how your kids turn out. I'm going to turn back to you if you have any questions, and thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Dr. Barba. That was, that was awesome. When I came across uh, her book, Thrivers, and started reading what it was going to entail, I was like, wait, this has to get into the hands of like every parent right now, because there were so many things that you were connecting to that are the real problems right now that people are like, so what do we do? And what's the answer for that? And at times it feels like we're coming up at a loss for that. And there were so many answers and opportunities in your book that I cannot wait to share some of this with our at our PTA meeting tomorrow night. And uh, for all of you listening, I'm going to start a book club with this book. And Dr. Warby, you said something about popping into one of our book clubs. I'd love to pop How in. many? Love How many do we have to have? Well, at least 15 only, but that's okay. We can figure right. this out. And then if you have questions along the way, I'll pop in and say, hey, how are you doing? That is so cool. So I'm excited to put that out too. I've already shared that with our staff and I'll share that at our PTA meeting tomorrow night. And I know we have uh, two other schools and a couple staff from uh, fourth school joining us. So if any of you are interested, just shoot me an email. Um, I'm really excited about this and I'll just wait another minute if someone wants to throw a question in the chat for you. Um, but also Dr. Borba, I know you were saying, was it something about curiosity and your answer to that to help get kids more curious was it that we leave them alone? Was that right? Yeah, there? it's really interesting. Tell us about that. That, I, that. that stopped me dead in my tracks. Go ahead. Uh, well, one of the most fascinating things that, that I was concerned about that we all should be concerned about is we want our kids to be curious. Not that they're going to be in Albert Einstein, but they're more open. And some of the neatest things I saw, as Thrivers will give you, each, each chapter has dozens of stories about real teachers who are doing real cool stuff, was Tinker Labs where kids would come after school, they couldn't wait to get to the Tinker Lab because it wasn't a closed, this is the answer. It was, let me just be by myself and figure this out. And they were pulling apart computers that were old computers or telephones that were old, old telephones, or they were coming up with, here's a question that I really don't have a clue about what the answer to is. So I'm gonna work with my friend to figure it out. 
oh my gosh, that's how we create these deep thinkers who really will make a difference. And that's the piece that's fascinating on curiosity. That's awesome. Okay, we do have a question coming in. Would you suggest that our parents read this book and maybe participate in the book study? Yes, yes, yes. And the reason for it is we're doing too much. And the more we get the parents involved with us, so they're partners, that we speak the same language, how much better that is for us as well as them. Therefore, I would say, for instance, maybe you want to do that one plus two breathing. Great. If that's what you choose to do, then make the flash drive, then put it on the, uh, have your kid do the homework. So the kid has to teach the parent the strategy. Then they would be reinforcing the same thing that you're doing in the classroom. If you can put it on your website, it's even better. I, I would love that. I wrote this book for parents, but you know who's embracing it. Of course, it's teachers and counselors, but now it's like, hey, we're doing so much work already. We're gonna maximize our own lessons if we somehow get them to the plate. The other thing I saw was in Japan, they have phenomenal um, networks where uh, they have smaller cadres of parents. They deliberately, the moment the kid, the kid comes into the class, into school, maybe at kindergarten, they put each, they put cadres of like eight parents together and they keep them as often as they can. And then they do book clubs together. They do, uh, there's an article in the newspaper. What are we going to do about it? Where's a good service project together? They reinforce you and they also figure out how to help the teacher in the classroom. So they're allies. Yeah, I think we need to think outside the box. Dr. Borba is absolutely inspiring. She gives us real concrete things we can do with our kids today to help them learn skills that will really make a difference for your child. I hosted a virtual book club a few months ago, and I'm planning on another one soon in a couple months. You won't want to miss this. We learned so much together. And from Dr. Borba, as we read and discussed her new book, Drivers, I'd love for you to join us. So stay tuned for more details. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.